everyone. Rachel Quedno here, program director at Strong Towns. You're about to hear a really fun episode that Abby recorded at our recent national gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina. She got to talk to a bunch of attendees and ask them about their experience, got to learn more about them. This is a fun conversation, set of conversations really, and I can't wait for you to listen to it. Before we get to it, I wanted to mention that this is our member week at Strong Towns. This is the time of year where we celebrate all those folks who step up in their communities, who are doing the important work to build Strong Towns, and who also step up and support this movement as a financially supporting member. We would love to have you join this movement officially as a member too. So head to strongtowns.org slash membership to make your support official and help fund the important things that we do like the national gathering and like this podcast that I know you all love. So enjoy this conversation that Abby hosted at the national gathering and thanks everyone for your support. I'm Abby Kenny, and you are listening to Upzoned. Hey everyone, this is Abby and you are listening to Upzoned. We are actually recording this live from Charlotte, North Carolina, where we are doing the Strong Towns National Gathering. So the event kicked off last night with an opening presentation by our friend Chuck Marone and members of the amazing Strongtown staff that organized this event, followed by some Pechacucha presentations. I think that's how it's pronounced, but I may be wrong. So a lot of fun so far. Today's episode of Upzoned is going to be a little bit different than it usually is. We are welcoming any and all attendees of this gathering to join me on the show today to chat about who they are, where they're from, talk a little bit about their place and their interest in this movement, whatever else might be in their minds. And I hope you all enjoy hearing from other members of the Strong Towns movement like yourself. If you weren't able to attend this national gathering, I hope that today's conversations gives you a taste of what the vibe is like here with the opportunity to meet people from all around North America, maybe even beyond North America, who are doing all sorts of unique and creative work in their places. So enjoy. Thank you. All right. I am joined by the first interview of today, David Bunch. Welcome on UpZone. Thank you. It's great to to be here. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Where did you travel here from? Well, my wife and I traveled here from Lakeland, Florida, which has been our home for many years. And what brought you to the Strong Towns conversation? Well, both Jane and I are active in the community, or have always been. And uh, I was reading an article about, uh, in the Realtor magazine, I'm an industrial real estate broker oh, in wow. Lakeland. I read an article, and it had a series of articles about, and one of them was about Strong Towns. And I've just been involved for the last eight years in the building of a huge park on a former rail yard in downtown Lakeland. It's been sitting vacant and contaminated for many, many years. So I had the idea eight years ago to let's build a park on this. 
and it was quite a challenge because it was contaminated and the railroad did not want to sell it for a park because of the contingent liability. So anyway, we built that park and it opened in March, I'm sorry, October of 22. Congratulations. 2022, excuse me. And to date has hosted over a million visitors in seven months. So it's been very, very successful. But the next chapter of this effort is that the neighborhoods around this rail yard had deteriorated over the years since the rail yard left because the jobs left. So the next step that the park wants to do is work on these neighborhoods and lift yeah. them up. Yeah. Not run them out, but lift them up. I love, uh, I think her name is Marjorie Carter, who's speaking here today. Yes. Uh, she has a statement about you shouldn't have to move to live in a better neighborhood. Yeah. So I love that comment. Yeah, she has such an interesting perspective, and she's she'll be the keynote speaker today. And I love her basically she takes this talent retention approach to improving neighborhoods and I think that that is very much aligned with what Strong Towns talks about the writers the overall conversation and and really approaching the affordable housing crisis that that we're trying to find solutions to I appreciate that so as a, you're an industrial commercial broker. Right. Do you see yourself transitioning into residential or um, no, maybe getting um, into some of the I am a change. I am. I like to think of myself as a change agent, but yeah. uh, we need a variety of things, of course. I, I'm always seeking to make our town more perfect. Yeah. It's never going to be perfect, but you always seek that. And it's... It's how you do things, how you do industrial. I've done five industrial parks, mm-hmm. and they're all uh, restricted, nice, well laid out, and as nice today and nicer than they were when they were developed because yeah. the landscaping, the trees. and So it's just how you do things. Uh, and we need all things. We need affordable housing, and we need other types of housing. We need yeah. industrial. We just need to put them in the right place. And, and honor each one honors the other. Yeah, yeah, that's that's excellent. So today, do you have any plans? Do you have any sessions that you're thinking? Of well, attending? I'm going on sessions that are. I need some help in Lakeland to uh, arouse number one the city to do something tangible about this. The largest neighborhood adjoining the park. Yeah. Is. Uh, it's the same size as the park, 168 acres. It's big. It's got over 500 planted lots, and all of them used to be full of homes. But now 170 of those are vacant because uh, either the city or tax collector or somebody has taken property for non-payment or whatever. And so we've got 170 vacant lots scattered throughout this neighborhood. Well, that's an incomplete neighborhood to begin with. And we need to get homes built on those, affordable homes that are in character yeah. with the neighborhood. And and then the other, the remaining homes in there, many of them are substandard. In other words, the neighborhood is, is not well. Yeah. And so, but it's fixable. It's so easy to fix this one because it's contained. It's got a $120 million new park next to it. 
across the street. Yeah. But here it sits with a very poor quality of life. That can be fixed. So, so I'm here looking for ideas. I'm going to talk to Miss Carter about how she can help me arouse the city to do yeah. something tangible. Yeah. And how we can get the neighborhood cranked up. Yeah. Because I'm just happy to know about strong towns. It's, it's, yeah, and this is a great place, I think, to find ideas and talk to people. I mean, just in the past 24 hours, meeting people from all over North America, and I think maybe beyond North well, America Well, Canada and well. Honolulu, yeah. I've already met. <laughs> and actually, I met uh, a group from the, an adjoining county to my county. They had a program through Strong Towns, and so they're here, and I met them last night, and the leader of that is, a, one of the leaders, is a young attorney that took a real interest in what I'm doing. Wow. And knows the town, so, so certainly I intend to follow through. Uh, I love going to meetings uh, because of the contacts I make. Yeah. As much, if not more, than the program. Yeah. Do you see this being the impetus for maybe having a local conversation within your region? Because it does take a village to bring people well, together around solving these kinds of issues. Well, very much so. I, I need help. I'm, I'm local. I'm a local real estate broker. I've been there yeah. many years. I've, I'm respected in the community because I've done a lot of stuff, you know. But still, I'm local, and you don't get the ear as if you were a consultant coming in. The city just paid consultants almost a half million dollars to study these various sectors around Lakewood. And most of it could have been done locally, but you have to hire it in. And so what I need, I need some credibility. But right now, it's, what are you doing here in this? This is city work. Yeah. We had this problem when we built this park. This park that we built was a $120 million park on a contaminated rail yard, and it cost $120 million, and it's all paid for. There's no debt, and it's got a $100 million endowment, all from the private sector, not a state, federal dollar in it, and, and won't be. It's going to be operated because the city doesn't have the resources to build a $120 million park or maintain it. So if we're going to have it, we had to do it the way we did it. And fortunately, we had a, non, a benefactor in Lakeland who strongly underwrote yeah. the cost of it, but not all of it. That's that's very impressive. Uh, well, I would say it, that lends you some credibility. I, I think every town in America would like to have a park like this. It's, yeah. It's magical. Yeah. And it's paid for. And... Not every town can do what we did because they, A, don't have a vacant piece of land in the middle of town, and B, they don't have a benefactor yeah. capable of doing what this one did for us. Yeah. But it can be done. There are ways. You may, we may not do it this big, but you can do it smaller. Every town has resources they don't know about. Yes. Yes. They, they haven't discovered Especially in the private sector yeah. and people in town who care about their place, but they may not have a change agent who can help direct them towards opportunities to invest in their community in a very meaningful and important kind of way. So it's amazing yeah. what yeah, you've and, done. You know, and 
I've been on many building campaigns in Lakeland for the museum, for the church, for the Salvation Army, for various things. And, you know, we'll have a capital campaign for $3 million or 5 maybe occasionally a 10 but usually $1 to $3 million capital campaigns. And so we were laying this out. We needed to raise the maximum amount of money. We didn't want this benefactor to have to do it all. And we promised him and his wife that we would get help out of the community. And so we established a, our first capital campaign of $27.5 million. I said, whoa, we've never raised that kind of money in Lakeland. And I said, but you know, this is for a park. It's not for a museum or the Salvation Army or the United Way, something that you have a circle of givers that do it all the time and just a very small percentage of the community. Here, they love the idea of it being a major park. So we raised not $25 million, we raised $27 million. Wow. And now on the endowment, we're going to raise another $30 million toward the endowment. So the community has stepped up for you know six, almost $60 million. And the benefactor is thrilled. Well, that's incredible. And David, I appreciate you joining me today and being my first interview of the day. It sounds like your place is so lucky to have you. And you, I mean, change agent is a great way to put it. You've done some really amazing work and I hope that you connect with people and and find all kinds of interesting ideas for your next phase. I'm glad I stumbled onto you and uh, and had this (laughs) opportunity because I was willing to tell that story a little bit and I didn't have a a venue to do it here. I'm not on the program and I don't have a microphone so uh, this gave me a chance to tell a a story that I think needs to be told what you can do in a community. I appreciate that we have this opportunity for you to share this story if there are people who are listening to this who may want to share their ideas and maybe they're listening to this after or long after this gathering, where can people find you? Well, the best way to find out about that park is to go online and it's bonnetspringspark.com. That's B-O-N-N-E-T springspark.com. And you can find out all about the park. And then, of course, I'm David Bunch, B-U-N-C-H. I'm in the phone book. And uh, <laughs> happy to talk to anybody about this progress. It's been a thrilling eight years yeah. to take this from scratch to a million visitor park in eight years. Well, that is amazing. Congratulations on you. opening the park. And thank you so much for joining and, today. And good luck on your interviews. And uh, Thank you I'll very much. This was a great, great way to kick it off. Yeah. Thanks, well, I'm David. I'm glad we're here. Thank you so much. All right, we are currently talking to a Strong Towns member and attendee of the National Gathering, Andrew Price. Welcome. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. It's so like interesting to meet all these people that I've I've seen their names. I've like read stuff they've written, but I've never seen them in person. And so like I go around looking at people's name tags, like who are you? <laughs> yeah, I know you, even though I don't really know what they look like. Never met them before. Yeah, so it's really great, and I love the energy here. Yeah, these kinds of gatherings, and of this, of course, precedes the Congress for New Urbanism gathering that will be starting uh, tomorrow, but it's great 
to kind of bump into people that maybe you've heard of or you've seen their work and you're able to ask questions and get ideas for all kinds of things. So tell us where you're coming from. So I am Australian, but I live in Hoboken, New Jersey. I married an American 10 years ago, <laughs> so I've been living here ever since. Yeah, so I do this as a hobby. I'm a software engineer. I run a blog. You may have heard of it. Andrew Christ really? is my name. Oh, yes. Yes, oh. I do recognize your name. And it's so fascinating that, like, it's really inspiring hearing the stories of the school bus driver and the history teacher making an impact. And I'm just like a guy with a blog. And so, like, 10 years ago, no one was talking about fine-grained urbanism or, like, complete neighborhoods. And Strong Towns was kind enough to, like, repost some of the content on my blog. Yeah. And, like, now everyone in this room, like, has heard of this stuff. Yes. And so it's just, like, really incredible how just, like, regular people are making an impact on the whole development pattern of the, I would say, I want to say continent, but I even saw some reports of my hometown back in Australia, like, mentioning this sort of stuff about, like, fine-grained urbanism. And so, yeah, you're really making an impact around the world here. And it's, yeah, it does feel like there's somebody from everywhere in North America and even beyond that at this gathering, which is really pretty amazing. So tell me a little bit about your place and how you've, I guess, taken a Strong Towns approach in your neighborhood, your town, your city. So I have an 18-month-old. And I'm gonna get a little personal here. Like, as far as like That's personal okay. place, like we get personal here on Upsound. So like, I haven't blog written as much as I want in the past like 18 months because I have an 18 month old and it's kind of full on working full time. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> like, getting personal now. One of the things we want to do is get a bigger place, but we don't want to leave our like super dense walkable community of Hoboken. But, like, housing affordability is a super, super big issue where we live. What inspires me to write my blog is I look around and I say, what makes my community great? What makes it so walkable? Like, we have seven playgrounds within a six-block radius of us that are, like, usually full of kids. We have four supermarkets within a 10-minute walk that you can, like, load into the stroll and just stroll them back home. Like, it's a really good life, but so many families get pressed out and leave it. And being in the New York City metro area, I know that, I mean, the suburbs are just equally as expensive, Mm -hmm. but I know that as our little square mile, we cannot absorb all the demand for the whole metro region. Yeah. And so what inspires me to write my blog is to write about like what makes this place great and how we can recreate it in other parts to like take the, some of the demand off. Like we ourselves have to incrementally allow growth. But it's not all up to us. We have to make other places nice, too, to, like, also share the demand across the wide area. Wow. Yeah, that that's very true. And I think many of us, whether we're in the, quote-unquote, the world or, or not, are impacted by what's going on with housing yeah. and all of our personal lives. And I'm hoping that throughout this gathering, there are opportunities to think about housing in different ways and potential new approaches that we can bring to our places. And I also love that, like, 
there are people from all walks of life here, but also yeah. from all different geographical areas. There's a ton of people here from like small towns, large cities, and like this conversation of incrementally building your place and loving your place applies to everyone. And there's yeah. lessons everyone's learning from each other, even though these like the diverse representation of places we have in this room is incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, this is an amazing gathering. Just so far, meeting people from all over the place, I it, it's really cool. It's been great to have you on and actually meet you in person. You're right, I, I do recognize your name and I've read your work, so it's really <laughs> cool to put a face to the writing. Yeah, it's like really incredible. I'm meeting people and I start talking for a while and they stare at my name tag. It's like, hey, like, I think I've heard you. You've been like on the Slack, but you may have written something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, any parting words that you'd like to share? Just for everyone out there, it doesn't matter who you are, if you're just a guy with a blog or a school bus driver or whatever you are, you can make an impact on your community. So just like love your place and do what you can to make it a strong town. I love that. And where can people find you? You can find me. I'm pretty active on Twitter, Andrew A. Price. I have my blog, andrewalexanderprice.com, and occasionally I do write on the Strong Towns website. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me on Upzone. <laughs> thank you. All right, everyone. I'm joined by my friend, Yambo, who I am meeting for the first time at this gathering, but I have interacted with you online for a couple of years now, so it's great yes, to actually Yes, ever you. since the start of lockdowns. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that, we'll, we'll mark that as the beginning of our friendship. Yes. So, welcome to the Strong Towns Gathering. Where did you travel from? Actually, um, not as supportive as you might think. Uh, so, <laughs> there was came from uh, Charlotte. I just spent the last week in um, Baltimore as um, part of a uh, much longer um, road show that's going to take me to uh, New Orleans and Houston after this, then Los Angeles through early August, and then gradually make my way back across to the um, East Coast. It's uh, working with my group called um, Innovo Net Zero Limited. We are working with companies to be able to achieve um, net zero carbon across their supply chains, collectively. And then we're going to be in um, Houston to um, showcase some flagship technologies that can do things like turn fossil carbon, so all the emissions from coal, steel, and cement, into fertilizer and other useful products. So think steel or cement that's actually net carbon negative for your building materials. Wow. Just speaking of embodied carbon, embodied energy, and those questions. Also, it just happened that Charlotte, CNU, Strong Towns Gathering, was just conveniently on the way. Though, I'll have to admit, via high-speed rail, much more readily doable. It's literally an itinerary, at least to Houston, that's just screaming for high-speed rail. That would be amazing. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so, tell me, what brought you to the Strong Towns conversation? Well, actually, almost exactly 13 years ago, right from wow. uh, day one, uh, June uh, 2010. Wow. And that was when I encountered, I believe it was from, it may have been Yona Freemark, but someone who writes about uh, cities and urbanism extensively. But that was how I encountered Chuck's blog. So back when Strong Towns was just Chuck's blog, back mm-hmm. in that point, when he just started uh, writing um, that year. So... I encountered it, and right there, it turned out to be exactly 
what I was looking for because so much of the conversation around issues of urbanism, issues of sprawl, all those considerations, it was a question about uh, what people's choices, what people's preferences were, and what strong towns did is put a framing such that we're not talking about people's preferences any longer, we're actually talking about concrete choices that we have to collectively make. So when you frame it in that way, then you can actually see why the uh, suburban experiment is actually not viable without having to use any argument that others can then turn around and push back saying, this is just your preference. Yes, exactly. It's hard to make the preference argument when it's like the only thing that's being provided, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's incredible. And I'm sure it's been amazing from your perspective just to watch this movement grow because you know, for me, Strong Towns has been Strong Towns. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit younger, and so it's, you know, been more established. But there are so many people here that remember when it was just like a blog. It was just yeah. Chuck writing and yeah. putting out ideas. And obviously those ideas caught fire with a lot of people, which is just incredible. Yeah. So tell me, what are you looking to learn about today? What sessions are you thinking of attending? Well, I uh, may ch- drop in um, here and there, given that already getting quite uh, good exposure to uh, just uh, the people uh, in the room uh, here that yeah. uh, actually um, just yesterday managed to engage uh, quite many from uh, across the country, uh, no less, uh, that... And in fact, it's really validating my observation, honestly, that there's a lot more similarity than differences. That yeah. It's that so often when we go about talk about cities, about urbanism, what we need to do, like so often we tend to get distracted by differences, like right. how each city is different. Such, but what's far more important is focus on what are the examples to have a proven track record of favorable outcomes and what is in common amongst them. Because the context can always change. Absolutely. The context can always vary, but there are those few things that are in common to pretty much every single example worth emulating. That's excellent. So you are on a road show this summer. Can people find you somewhere and follow your adventure? Well, um, very easily. So the best way is I'm just happy to um, leave you. So just um, you can contact me um, directly. You can email me directly for one. Just uh, my full name, yambo.do.du, at Innovo with two N's, I-N-N-O-V-O-network.com. And you can also, if you search me through uh, LinkedIn, usually I uh, post um, most of why I aim for uh, public uh, consumption there. And then all members of uh, Strong Towns, you can reach me uh, none other than the uh, Slack channel we have uh, for all members. So that's probably, or if you're a Strong Towns member, that's probably the easiest way to reach me is through our Slack channel. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been excellent to meet you in person and Likewise. look forward to bumping into you after this. Definitely. Thank you. All right, everyone. I am joined by Justin. Hi. Welcome Hi. to UpZone. Yeah. Thanks for having me. 
So tell me about where you're from. I see that you did not travel very far, which is great. Yeah, uh, I'm from Durham, North Carolina. I was born and raised there, went to school there. Um, so it was just a two-hour drive here to Charlotte for the uh, National Gathering. So tell me a little bit about your place, how Strong Towns has resonated with you, perhaps where you learned about Strong Towns and what brought you to, to this day. Yeah, so uh, a couple different things. I... I'm a full-time bike commuter. I've been bike commuting for almost a decade now. And so through that, uh, what started out more as like uh, kind of a needs-based lifestyle for me grew into a real desire to advocate for uh, bike and pedestrian safety just because I spent so much time on my bike. And so we have a local uh, transportation equity group, uh, nonprofit, based in Durham that I've volunteered with for a couple of years and a lot of the work we do uh, kind of aligns with the strong town values. With that, also within the last couple of years, um, I started writing a newsletter that I published bi-weekly called By the Horns about our local city council. Uh, the Durham, one of the nicknames is the Bull City, hence By the Horns. And covering local government. You can imagine there are a lot, a myriad of issues um, around development and safety and housing and transportation. And I was a journalism major. I was not a public policy major. Uh, so I, I had to really uh, catch up and, and uh, get a baseline of knowledge. And so I started reading a lot of Strong Town's uh, articles because that was the information out there that was speaking to the issues that I was interested in. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I'm grateful that the gathering was so close because it was pretty easy to uh, make the trek from Durham to Charlotte. Well, since you're a journalism major, I, I wonder, have you ever written for Strong Towns or submitted any articles? I haven't. I'm still pretty new to Strong Towns. Um, I've mostly just, yeah, been, been reading trying to understand yeah just like level up my my knowledge base um i, I would love to submit I, I one of the things that i'm really interested in for the program today is the uh, social media presentation yeah. um as someone who works in multimedia i'm really trying to figure out how do i leverage the different platforms that i have available to me to bring this information to folks in a way that's digestible, you know, kind of meet them where they are. Not everyone, you know, reads print or reads, you know, articles anymore. Sometimes it's podcasting, it's YouTube, it's TikTok, it's Instagram. Um, so how do I use those platforms to engage folks in these ideas in a way that's entertaining, but also informational? Yeah, absolutely. It would be great to connect with some of the members of the Strong Towns staff, even, who there's multiple people who are experts in multimedia and, and social media, which is, I think, really cool. So hopefully you have the opportunity to, to meet with some of those folks as well. I met Norm yesterday. He was he, he met us right at the uh, check-in desk and uh, shared a lot of great information and mentioned that I should talk to Mike. That, that was the person that he 
Mike's uh, the person who set this this podcast oh, great. This studio up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I'll definitely uh, have to hunt down Mike at some point, it sounds like. Um, but yeah, I would love to connect with anyone that's working in, in multimedia that wants to push these values because I think that there's a real opportunity there. That's great. So I, I know sessions are about to start, so I won't keep you too long, but where can people find you and follow your work? Yeah, um, so you can find me at Buddy Ruski. It's B-U-D-D-Y-R-U-S-K-I, Buddy Ruski. It's a pretty silly name. It's a nickname my dad gave me when I was a kid um, that kind of became my internet persona as I got older. But yeah, Funny how that happens. Yeah, but you know, I wanted something a little bit more meaningful, um, so I chose that name. Uh, you can find me on the internet at Buddy Ruski pretty much anywhere. BuddyRuski.com is where I publish a lot of my work. So, um, yeah, I love to chat with folks. Hit me up. Uh, all my contact info is there. Cool. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. All right. I am joined by Abraham. Welcome to Upzone. Thank you for agreeing to chat with me today. No problem. Thanks for having me. So you've been handling the check-in, which is where I met you. That's a pretty cool gig. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I get to see all the faces come in and, you know, familiar faces, of course, you know. So, and I recognized you. I said, I know this person from somewhere. And, you know, you know, look at the names and like, oh, that's where I know you. I've read some articles or I've listened to the podcast or whatever. So that's pretty cool. You are in the perfect position to actually put faces to names. Yes. Because you're literally printing out the the badges that we're all wearing. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So tell me, where are you from? So I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. Excellent. So not too far from here. No, not too far. Not too far. Yeah. Is this your first time in uh, Charlotte? No, I, I've, I've, I come to Charlotte a lot. I have family up here. You know, Excellent. I think the Carolinas sticks together. So, okay. you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, we definitely share a lot of things, you know, if you share teams and whatnot. So we also share family members. So, yeah, yeah. that's great. <laughs> I also come up here as my one of my company is, is up here. So what's I, your company? Uh, WSP. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm an I urban heard. planner for WSP. Oh, yeah. We have a WSP location in Kansas City where I'm from oh, as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, I know yeah. some okay. WSPers there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a pretty large firm. Um, but, you know, I have a small team here in Charlotte, and yeah. I, I work out of Charleston, and I meet with them. So. What kinds of projects do you, have you worked on? So I have done... Um, a lot of different things, uh, mainly corridor studies. So I, I was really grateful that CNU started to focus on corridors because that's the scale that I look at a lot, you yeah. know, looking at corridors. I'm focused on the land use and policy for a lot of these corridor studies. Yeah. And so uh, trying to ensure that those policies and that land use kind of coincides with the transportation improvements that are proposed. So, Definitely. Yeah. And are you doing work locally in your city or focused on the region or even other states? Um, focused on North Carolina and South Carolina, really trying to find some opportunities in South Carolina. We've been, we haven't had a, have a presence in South Carolina, but we were definitely growing um, our practice there. Do a lot of work in North Carolina, um, really looking at some, some projects in, in Charleston area as well as the Buford area. So there's a lot of opportunities for growth yeah, yeah, especially with all the growth that this region mm-hmm. has gotten, it sounds like even 
Charlotte has changed a lot in recent yeah. years and yeah. that comes with transportation yeah. studies and questions about how to proceed with the built environment in a yeah. way that works for people. So how does your work overlap with the Strong Towns conversation from your perspective? So the way I see it is that, you know, I really believe in getting locals involved in community development, small businesses, local developers. And so where I see those kind of overlapping is I'm looking at, and I'm always trying to think of what types of policies, what types of zoning and land use and uh, policies that would help support more locals being involved in, in, in those disciplines. And so I think this is a great place to learn and to explore those, those things. Yeah. Hopefully you have the opportunity to go to some sessions today. Yeah, or... yeah, yeah, yeah. In Charleston, there's an um, organization called Charleston Moves. They're an organization that um, advocates for bike and pedestrian improvements and, and advocacy in the area. And so they just had Majora Carter on a, a, like a, a webinar. Yeah. And so, and I realized that Majora is going to be here. So I'm really excited to, to see her again and, and just listen to her. I think she has a great perspective on yes. that local, you know, taking, taking ownership locally um, and really um, improving your community from the ground up. So I'm really excited about that. One. Yeah. It sounds like there's an opportunity to learn a lot here and take some of those ideas with you mm-hmm. and, not only your professional work, but also in just your day-to-day and, and your engagement in your own community. So Definitely. that's excellent. Definitely. So is there a place that people can find you on the internet or otherwise? So, of course, on LinkedIn, I'm Abraham Champagne. I do have uh, Instagram. Um, it's kind of a mix between, you know, my personal life and professional and things like that. I understand that. that. So. <laughs> I keep my Instagram private. Yeah. I do have Twitter, so, though. Yes. That I don't use very much. So, you know, LinkedIn is a good place. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, reach out to Abraham on LinkedIn for all your transportation planning needs. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Awesome. Well, very good to meet you. Thanks meet for you agreeing too. to talk with me. Thank you. Bye. Alrighty, I have Meredith with me today. Hello, welcome. Hi, good morning. So tell me a little bit about yourself. So my name is Meredith Johnson. I'm from Austin, Texas, born and raised. I'm the owner of a new firm called Johnson Planning and Preservation. We focus on policy at the intersection of planning and preservation. So we do a lot of design consulting and preservation reform. That is very exciting. Thank you. Very cool. So how long have you been practicing as, I'm guessing, an urban planner or an architect? A planner first. Um, I've been practicing for about 10 years. Wow. And the firm is, this is our third year. So three years old. Great. Congratulations on that. (laughs) Thank you. I know launching a business, there's a lot involved there. So it's no easy easy task. (laughs) No one told me. I didn't know. If people shared that information, people would be scared to do it, right? That's true. Blindly <laughs> going into it is a better option. Good. Yes. Yes. So tell me about how you learned about Strong Towns, what brought you to this conversation. Yeah, I learned about Strong Towns several years ago. I saw Charles speak at CNU Detroit 
so okay. a while ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it resonated with me. I was working in cities at the time as a planner in small towns in Texas. So we were dealing with a lot of the same issues that Chuck was talking about. And we were looking at ways to reform that weren't going to cost us an arm and a leg. Mm-hmm. So we really did a deep dive into policy. We did a deep dive into taxing <laughs> reform. We looked at the way we were collecting our dollars and spending the dollars. And it really changed it really changed my mind in what cities are capable of doing. Wow. Yeah, especially with working with taxing jurisdictions and trying to figure out how local communities can just be smarter. I, mm-hmm. I too work with a lot of small communities and in the strong towns discussion resonates very, it resonates very broadly, but also I think with smaller communities in a very deep way, because many of them are, they, they don't have some, you know, golden goose that's making them feel good for a little <laughs> yes, while. Exactly. And money is always a struggle for small towns, especially right now where we're seeing Lots of populations moving, so we're seeing an influx in some areas and a reduction in population in other areas, and it's hard to, in this post-2020 sort of world, to figure out what what you're going to have next year in the bank. And as a preservationist, I'm sure you recognize how many assets many of these towns have. Absolutely. So we, at my firm, we really try to emphasize public and private partnerships. So we really want to see developers take advantage of historic tax credits. We want to see cities take advantage of promoting these tax credits. If they have a state credit, even a local credit, maybe we could develop a program for them to be able to support these efforts a little further. So (laughs) what are you looking to learn from this conference? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. I am first and foremost looking to learn more about areas that I don't know a ton about. Um, I sat in on the crash studio conversation and I'm not a transportation person, but it was fascinating to think about how after a a crash happens, we could immediately go out into the field and start to examine sort of the environment in which that crash occurred. Yeah. And of course I'm looking to have more conversations about preservation and sort of what small towns are doing, what other folks are kind of taking on and hopefully see if there's some partnerships available or yeah. if anyone's looking for advice. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, so is this the per- first time you've been in Charlotte? It is. Okay, I same. am floored. <laughs> I'm really surprised that just on my walk over here, I think I found like an enclave of restored structures that Mm -hmm. are part of the historic black community here, which was just stunning. I did not expect to find that here. (laughs) Definitely. There's a lot of new buildings Mm -hmm. all over the place. I did notice yesterday, and maybe it's the same area, maybe not, but just not far from this hotel, there was a little house that uh-huh. was nestled in all of the new architecture. It's this yeah. old little house. It's just sitting in the middle of downtown, obviously a historic preservation project, yes. but it's, I encourage you to go find it like an Easter egg. It's, I it's really pretty will, nice. And I will come find you. Yeah. <laughs> and we will talk about it. I love this. Did it look like it was ripe for opportunity? 
it looked like it may be a museum Ooh, or something. It, oh my gosh, it's, love that. It's already it's restored very Amazing. well. So I'm guessing I didn't get a good look at it. So it's probably a restaurant or a museum or something like that. But it, so it has excited. a plaque outside. So Amazing. I, it's not far from here. So. I definitely am taking photos of every plaque that I find. Absolutely. Good idea. <laughs> So, uh, where can people find you and find your work? Um, so we have a website, johnsonplanning.com and we're on Instagram at johnsonplanning. We're always available to chat. I love meeting new people. So I just am happy to make connections. Awesome. Well, very good to meet you. Thank you so much. And, uh, hopefully one day when I visit Austin, I can let you know that I'm there and call me. We'll do a tour. We'll go look at old houses. Yes. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. I have Philip on the mic. So nice to meet you. Hi there. So tell me a little bit about your place, where you came from. So I have two places a little bit. So I'm an assistant city manager, have a background in planning. And the place that I work is uh, Tyrone, Georgia, not too far from where I live in Fayetteville, Georgia. So in Tyrone, um, kind of working with implementing strong towns principles just where I work and in that community and then advocating at home just a short distance away the same thing so that's kind of my background there that is really interesting so how does your work in city management intersect with the strong towns conversation so just about in every way Um, I uh, so my my background is in land use so I worked as a planner um, still do the planning work. It's a small town, so yeah. do a little bit of actually everything yeah. for work, but uh, still in principally in zoning and in community development and economic development. And so Strong Towns, of course, hits at every element of that. We lately have been doing a lot of fiscal analysis, watched and listened to a lot of Joe Medicozzi and, of course, Chuck on that aspect of it. So every time a subdivision comes in, I have a little section in my staff report dedicated to the fiscal sustainability of that development. Wow. Do a little bit when it comes to uh, zoning and land use and our future development map. So all aspects of zoning and uh, land use, certainly working with implementing Strong Town's principles there. So so tell me a little bit about your staff report, yeah. that, that piece. How does staff put that together? Do you literally measure the cost of the streets? Yeah, and- so... I, yes. So I've worked actually with our city engineer who's very interested in this type of stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, he's our public works director. So he sees the engineering side of things, but he also sees the fiscal side of having to maintain that infrastructure. A big part of that staff report is essentially doing the analysis on the infrastructure, which actually is an easy thing to calculate once you know what you get from your tax, you know, your millage whatever you get residual from other sources of revenue, and then just the annual costs of keeping up roads, curb, gutter, you know, all of that infrastructure. So we're actually able to compare those things pretty easily. Where it gets a little bit more difficult to services, but it's kind of funny because you don't even have to get to services because the subdivision can't even keep up with maintaining infrastructure with taxes. So totally. we, we do that presentation and we talk about the rough coverage of services as well. But it's interesting because our planning commission and our council get to visualize that and they get to see, oh, we're not even covering infrastructure 
nevertheless, even getting to the services conversation. So that is so fascinating. Yeah. It yeah. really is. I was working on a, a comprehensive plan in a small town in Missouri not too long ago, and that was something that we recommended they start doing. Yeah. So I was curious how how you guys do it and how you integrate it into your 100% process. One hundred percent professional in the sense that we've hired a firm like Urban Three to come yeah. in and do. But we've done the math, at least yeah. on a rough level. You know, we have those numbers. We try and update them annually in terms of cost of infrastructure, what it what it costs to do a FDR on a road, you know, full yeah. depth reclamation, what it costs to maintain the curb and gutter, what the difference in cost between curb and gutter and a ditch system, because it doesn't require catch basins or underground, you know, infrastructure at the same level. So we, we have those conversations, and it's important because in the community that I work, it's suburban, but it's also kind of a rural transect, so to speak. So yeah. it's low density, one acre lots. And so when you're having conversations of doing, having one acre lots with a hundred feet of road frontage, yes. hundred feet of sidewalk, curb, gutter, lights, the whole kit and caboodle, you know, a 12 foot wide lane, that's, that's when you get into that kind of cost analysis. I wonder if you could do like one acre lots, but they're narrow. And they yeah. use less street frontage, right? Yeah, we, we've had that, have had you that had conversation, that conversation? <laughs> before. Yeah, I mean, our, our city engineers had that conversation. We actually have a really wealthy <laughs> subdivision. The, you know, the homes are, you know, Metro Atlanta, South Metro Atlanta. I mean, they're between 800000 to $2 million homes. So they're yeah. expensive homes, but they're on two to four acre lots. So they have anywhere between 150 to sometimes close to 300 feet of frontage. And they have urban infrastructure in our our city engineer looks at that, and we've had a lot of conversations where that's the most expensive subdivision to maintain. They don't even wow. come close on their infrastructure costs. So it's interesting. We've talked about really narrow lots, and uh, I think in urban planning, people like to they like to bash flag lots a lot. But then we sit here and we look at it, and we're like, well, they're taking up less frontage. So you know, similar yeah. conversations <laughs> on that. So. That's exactly right. It's like yeah. if it's taking up less frontage, that's less utilities per lot. So no big deal, really. Whatever you want to do yeah, in the back of your really lot. it really hurting except that somebody is living behind somebody else? Yeah. But typically, it's actually been, you know, flag lots are one of those things where it's a, a local decision maker's decide or, a, you know, a property owner said, I'm going to cut off a lot. So it's yeah. actually a, a kind of a grassroots effort to kind of increase productivity in an area. So. Uh, it's it's fascinating. It's a small scale thing. It's usually you know in more rural areas, yeah. but they work. So. Well, it sounds like maybe we should uncancel the flag lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that should be the next step in this this movement. So. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much for for joining me today. Where can people find you? So the town of Tyrone is in South Atlanta metro area. You can see me on that website, and yeah. you can see just kind of some of the things that we're doing. It's Again, a small town, not too much going on, but I guess that's where we're present. I also help try and manage the local conversations page for Atlanta. Um, it's a big metro area, and it's a big local conversations kind of group, but we're trying to spur conversation as much as we can there. So That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, and it's been very good to meet you. Likewise. Thank you. All right. I have Lysander, who is joining me today. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from New York City. 
New York City. Yeah. Are you from New York originally? Yes. Yeah, born and raised in Queens. Oh, great. Yeah. So what brought you to the Strong Towns conversation? Started off watching a lot of Not Just Bikes. Um, yes. I watched his video series on the growth Ponzi scheme in American suburbs. And then it talked a lot about Strong Towns. And so then I started watching some Strong Towns videos, reading a lot of Strong Towns articles. And I'm a software engineer by education and trade and stuff. But yeah. I was part of the huge like tech layoffs in January. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I have a lot of free time now on my hands because yes. I've been kind of hanging out for a little bit. And I saw that Strong Towns was doing the National Gathering. And I was like, oh, what a perfect opportunity to come. I don't have to call off of work. Yes. So I can come over here. <laughs> yes. I guess there's a silver lining mm-hmm. to that. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry to hear that oh, yeah. that you were part of the, those layoffs. But hopefully this event brings you new inspiration, yeah. maybe opportunities that could come out of it. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your day so far, what you are kind of looking for in this event. Yeah, so I think what I've been looking for, well, my day so far has been pretty great. I was over in the social media kind of uh, room with oh. like all the YouTubers and people who like Active Towns was there and yeah. uh, City Nerd. So that was really cool. I got to finally meet some of the people that I've been, you know, watching on YouTube for a while. So that was a lot of fun. But I think my... The biggest goal that I had like coming here was to just meet a lot of people who were, yeah. you know, who cared about the places that they lived in and wanted them to be better, which is how I'm feeling a lot about, you know, New York City. I think it's really great there. And I have I love the transportation and all of that stuff. But there's things that really frustrate me about the city that I wish I could like learn how to kind of tackle. What kinds of issues are you interested in? Um, specifically, well, I bike to get around in New York mm. a lot. And the bike lanes like really, really frustrate me there sometimes. Really? people park in them and you know it's just the culture of driving in New York City which I feel like doesn't really make sense with the amount of people that live there now so it's so interesting because for people from the outside looking in New York is like the American gold standard of like I guess not being auto-centric yeah, but yeah. to a New Yorker it's very much still there yeah 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 for <laughs> sure my mom still insists on driving places that we can take the train to and then we spend 40 minutes looking for parking. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I feel like that is very much a generational issue. Yeah. It's like many of our parents, it's in their head that we will drive everywhere. Oh, yeah. And that we must have parking when we get there. So hopefully our generation is starting to unwind that and movements like Strong Towns and CNU are definitely contributing to changing culture are you going to be at CNU as well? I am not, unfortunately. I'm going to be heading back to New York tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But Where can people find you? Where can people find me? Uh, I'm in Brooklyn now. Cool. In uh, New York City. Do you mean like on like social yeah, media? Yeah, social media or um, if you have any kind yeah. of presence, if somebody wanted to reach out. Sure, Maybe yeah. someone has a job for you. Yeah, yeah. I guess my Instagram is, is one place that I'm pretty active. My Instagram is LaSandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> first three letters of my name lys and you know with sandwich that is an awesome instagram <laughs> yeah has that always been your internet persona yeah i think <laughs> a friend of mine like called me the sandwich one time in like robotics club 
in high school. And I was like, a legend was born. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. pretty, that's pretty good. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for yeah. joining on Upzone today. Thanks so much. Uh, I am looking forward to listening back. Yeah. So thank you. It's great meeting you. All right. Joining me now is Grayson. Welcome to Upzoned. Hi, Abby. I love your show. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me. Thank you very much. So you are traveling from Canada, correct? Yeah. I live in Ottawa, Ontario. Excellent. So that's pretty far from here. I guess people are coming from really all over the country and North America. And so that's been pretty exciting to meet people. Tell me a little bit about your place. I love Ottawa. I moved there two years ago. Uh, So I work with the federal government now um, at uh, Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. I'm here on my vacation. Uh, taking vacation days because this is a really great way for me to reconnect with friends and I feel like it helps me stay sharp in the space. So it definitely helps me be better at my job, but I'm really here to connect with friends. Um, And uh, yeah, Ottawa. So I moved to Ottawa for that and I love it. It's a place that's very, very active and that has become a huge part of my life. I run a lot. I do some more cycling. I've gotten into paddle boarding and, and so that's become a huge part of when I'm not working, I'm outside pretty much all the time. Also, it's just the way that I meet people. Um, when you move to a new community, you need to find your people. And that's who that's been for me. So, yeah, Ottawa's beautiful. It's pretty far north. I would say the weather is about the same. <laughs> Here I am. I'm falling into I the trick of talking about weather. We aren't allowed I, to talk about weather okay. today. I will say it's a place <laughs> of extreme climates. It's got an amazing Excellent. winter where you can cross-country ski and you can skate and it's just got everything that you would ever want in wow. a winter. It's very cold, um, but it's also got beautiful summers. And so I feel like I just have a, a full life there in the best way possible. That's wonderful. And I we follow each other on Instagram and I see your running videos <laughs> and it definitely encourages me to go running more. So it's fun. Oh, to, it brings so much joy. I see your pictures and everything like that. So how did you get introduced to the Strong Towns movement and conversation? I heard about it from a friend at grad school. Her name is Emily Glavy. Maybe she's here, actually. Emily, if, if you were here and I didn't here. see you the next time. But Emily's amazing, and she had worked for Dover Cole at the time, and so she was familiar with CNU and the Strong Towns space. She had heard Chuck's podcast at the time, and I would just rant to her at grad school about things that annoyed me, about the way we do planning and cities and all of that. And she was like, oh, have you heard of Strong Towns? And so that was, it was like love at first listen. As soon yeah. as I, I found the, the podcast, it completely, I felt like I'd found my people. And then I knew that Chuck went to CNU. So I was like, I'm going to go to CNU. And now I've been coming whenever I can, not every year, but whenever I can. And, and I've run into like 35 people that I know and love <laughs> in just two days. And, and so it's uh, it's a really lovely place to keep in touch with people who are doing work that in my mind is, is the cutting edge. I completely agree with you. It's really exciting that Strong Towns is now doing this gathering, basically preceding seeing you. That's a great idea. It's such a great idea because it brings more people into the conversation, I think, but it also provides opportunity for more cross collaboration with these two worlds that has a lot of overlap, but in some ways is has very different conversations happening or maybe different 
approaches to conversations. So it's it's cool that this will be going on like this all week. Are there any topics in particular that you are interested in exploring this week through the sessions or otherwise? This week, I'm most interested in actually the conversations that come to us. And so I've been hanging around with Monty and Bernice of of Neighborhood Evolution, which I know that you're also involved in. And they just did a session, an amazing session, packed room, on how you create an ecosystem for people to be creating things that they love in their community. Uh, Because it does take people that are willing to do small-scale development, but it also takes cities that are willing to pave the way for that to make sure that the processes that they have are right-sized so that local people can actually reinvest in the place that they love. And so I think that's what I'm most interested in is when you speak these things into existence, people come out of the woodworks. And that's what I love about opportunities like this Mm. are the people that come and talk to you and they say, you know, you've had an impact on my life or, you know, way back in the day I used to right for strong towns and I had somebody come up to me and say that I had really impacted his life trajectory and like you, you have you never know and so yeah. that's really what I'm looking forward to is just understanding the magic that happens when what you're doing and what you love and, and the hard work that you're putting into your community out into the world and seeing how that reverberates back to you like the world echoes it back to you and you meet all these amazing people isn't that so amazing about seeing you in these conferences like it is a room full of people who not only maybe have a legacy that has impacted these conversations and the physical environment but also a lot of a lot of people that maybe are just entering in the conversation that will have impact on other people's lives I just find that to be so touching it's not like a just any old conference or, you know, get together of people to have an expo and sell things like in some industries, but it truly is like people connecting and developing thought leadership and new insights out of the work that we're all doing from different perspectives. Absolutely. And it's such hard work. And there's a a phrase that we often use in this world where you're never, uh, you're never a saint in your own town, right? Nobody wants to listen to you in your hometown. (laughs) And what you find here is people from other communities. That's always how it works. They see you, they see what you're doing. They, they understand how it's helping and it's a place to be seen and appreciated by people that are also in the trenches on, on this kind of community building work. So yeah, it's just a nice, um, I think that's really important. I think it's important for people to connect with other people who really care about essentially mission driven development in their communities. And this is an opportunity for that, but like everything that Stone Towns does is an opportunity for that. The ability to spark local conversations is so important. I know that's what neighborhood evolution is working on, trying to come up with these or not come up with, but inspire and uh, motivate these local meetup groups that do peer mentorship. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I think that's really kind of the missing piece for a lot of people is other people who believe in them and the ability to, as I was saying, like speak what you care about and speak what you're doing into the world. Because once you say it, it's there and other people can see your dream. They can see, um, Bernice was calling it, their big little dreams. (laughs) And, you know, you can help people make their big little dreams happen. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's also just nice to be around people that love the place they live. Yeah. People that love the place that they live and 
nerd out about these kinds of issues of city building. We're all on the same level of like nerd <laughs> yes. on these issues, which is pretty cool to be around like-minded folks. And also with strong towns, it being many people that are not, you know, in the quote unquote professional city building world, whether that's through government or planning or architecture, there's a lot of people who are, they have background in software or they work in all kinds of different industries that, and they have their own ideas and approaches. And I think bring a fresh perspective, which is excellent. Yeah. We need everybody. Yeah. We need everybody, no matter what you're doing, there's no replacement for having people that care about their communities and want to learn more about how they can protect them in, in that really deep meaning of protection of, you know, like long-term sustainability and the ability for to raise kids there and have your kids yeah. want to come home. It's yeah. so beautiful. So before we wrap up, where can people find you and find your work? Oh, I was joking to <laughs> Rachel when I was talking to her on the last Strong Towns podcast. Like, you basically can't. Um, <laughs> uh, I've pretty much gone offline. Um, That's probably healthy. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, it's come to CNU and find me here, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have really, really detached from online presence so there's not really a place to <laughs> to connect with me uh other than I guess in the work uh you know yeah find me find me out there um, well and you have the cards that you've been working on which yeah. I would encourage people to look at can you tell me about that a little bit sure sure so I mean in my free time I just can't stop thinking about just like Abby's saying you know we're at a very high level of nerd here <laughs> taking my vacation I'd be here and I would rather be here than on a beach I'll I was tell telling somebody I look forward to this week yes. like I'm going to Jamaica or something yes it's absolutely like, 100%. it's like a vacation right so um in my free time I, I make uh tools like my sort of medium is essentially drawing and, and writing out diagrams and so mm -hmm. I've created a series of tools that help people understand different options for small-scale development um, and that's from everything that I learned back in the days working with Incremental Development Alliance and also to um, I'm working on a, a new tool that helps visualize the development process and yeah they're, they're in a, the form of a card deck I make mm. them super cute because I like things that are cute and pretty and um, and are colorful and bring a smile to your face but yeah they've been a really popular tool for people in this world to be able to show people these are the kinds of projects that we're talking about when we're talking about infill or when we're talking about starting small and being able to gain the momentum to turn that into something you know how do we rebuild cities in the way that we used to love well you got to start somewhere and so it helps really take that process and make it fun and engaging but also uh, a simple onboarding mm. um, and it's also I think another very popular use for them is if you are working on some kind of zoning audit then you can figure out which types of buildings are basically legal or illegal mm. in your existing zoning code and sometimes that conflicts with with what's in your comprehensive plan yeah or, you know your official plan if you're in Canada so yeah it, it helps point out like well we say we want these things we say we want this beautiful cornucopia of 
wonderful walkable urbanism. But then if we go through our zoning code, you can take the cards and you can kind of eliminate, oh, this one's not allowed, this one's not allowed, this one's not allowed for these reasons. Yeah. Um, not just zoning, but for finance reasons, for that sort of thing. It can help mm. you figure out a starter project. It can help you figure out projects that require a lot of cash up front versus ones that you can um, do with very little cash or, you know, a small down payment because it's a government-backed mortgage. Mm. Uh, it's a, a U.S. building code-based uh, based deck, so it's uh, it's very relevant to most people here, although I have met a few Canadians here. So I have one on my desk, uh, a stack, and I've shown them to many of the architects, and everybody is such a big fan Can you of tell me more? Like, tell me what you use them for. Well, so we do a lot of engagement with cities on issues of incremental development, zoning, especially focusing on zoning. And so internally, I've passed them around and, and shown them to people, but they're also a great tool for bringing two cities to have these conversations about incremental development and to show people what we're talking about. I also organize a group locally in Kansas City inspired by Incremental Development Alliance and Neighborhood Evolution and the things that Bernice and Monty and Mike have been doing. Um, it's basically a meetup group, and I've brought them there before to kind of show people starter projects and people that. can engage with that content. Because when you talk about small-scale development, not everybody interprets that the same way. And many people that don't really have a ton of resources or access to capital don't, they don't exactly know where to start. And so yeah. I think those cards are really helpful because it tells you this is a starter project. This project requires some serious levels of investment. So you're yeah. probably going to need investors or a bank to get involved in a more intense way than maybe doing a, a house hack or something that is more of a rehab project of an existing structure. So that's been helpful, I think, just for people to frame where they might get started. Absolutely. So yeah, it's all it's about a great tool. what you can do with what you have, where you are yes. right now. What's yes. the, the next step you can take? Yeah. Yeah. For me, I mean, I can't afford to do any real estate project because it's <laughs> right. so obscenely, obscenely expensive. But for me, like I can, I can be involved in my community. I can, you know, so I have, I attend run clubs. I have a run club that I co-lead with a friend and that's actually connected us to a space. You know, we have a local business owner that offered to create a, a space for us to meet up and like, we're going to put up a pop-up patio there and he's going to have coffee. And so like, it's actually turning into something, but all of that that's, you know, that's a card is you, you start exactly. up with a, a, you know, basically a tent or, you know, you, you put your, your, I guess it's going to be a coffee cart in that space or the equivalent, but it's not a building. It's an intention in a way. Yes. It's an intention that if other people believe in it yep. and, and believe in your big little dream, exactly. they will see it, they will engage with it and it will grow. Yeah. It will grow into something, perhaps, that that does involve rehabbing a building or maybe building a new building. Yeah. Who knows? But, yeah, I, that's what I think is beautiful about incrementalism is, like, literally just starting with where you're at and then building rather 100%. than trying to jump to the, you know, the big real estate project or the, the big move that you can take. is. It, I think it's more meaningful taking these smaller steps and building up. For sure. 
Well, they are called step cards. That's, you know, they are the, the tool we're talking about is called step cards. I guess if you want to, yeah. I mean, you can find me, but not really me, but yes, <laughs> you can find them at shophouse.studio. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. Uh, I'll have to have you on Upzoned at some point in the future and we can cover an article and talk in more detail. So, but great to have you. Thank, thank you. you so much for, for pulling me over here. Yeah, thanks. Hello, everyone. I am joined now by Mark. Mark? Nikita. 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 Mm -hmm. Very good to meet you. Uh, Where are you from? Detroit. Detroit. Mm -hmm. Great. Did you get in today, yesterday? Yeah, just this morning. Right. Great. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, uh, CNU is long time you know, connected to me and me to, to CNU going back to Charleston. So I'm an architect and urban designer. Uh, civic leader, elected official, um, developer, a number of different things in the urban context, of course. And I first was involved in CNU going back to the uh, Charleston uh, event many years ago in the early, in the mid '90s, and I signed the charter oh, with wow. many of the the groups, uh, a group of people that are still coming to the event. Uh, and I think I've, since the Charleston event, um, I don't think uh, let's say I think I missed two. CNUs over the years. So I've been to all the annual conferences. And uh, Yeah, it seems like CNU, so I'm obviously a, a young person, mm-hmm. uh, so I've only been to a few CNUs now, but it, it definitely seems like there's a lot of people that like they've been going to see you since it started, which is really cool. Yeah, It's it's, cool to have a mix of everybody here. Absolutely. And, you know, over time you get to uh, have great collaboration with people and, uh, you know, become great friends and colleagues, work together, a number of different things. And of course, uh, when you come in here, you can't get 10 feet because, you know, it's a constant dialogue with someone who you know and have long history with. So, and we're all obviously joined by the great uh, sort of understanding of, of trying to build better cities and yes. finding ways to enhance our built environments in one way or another. So uh, that's that's the great connector of all of us. But uh, my work in Detroit is uh, with a firm that I started, uh, co-founded years ago called Archive Design Studio. We refer ourselves as Archive DS, mm. and I'm the president of the firm, and I'm a licensed architect, urban designer as part of the firm. And uh, we do a lot of adaptive reuse, infill development, master planning, urban design planning, visioning for uh, a lot of cities. And a lot of them are really challenged with uh, either suburban sprawl problems or, or uh, decay and abandonment post-industrial places. Wow, so we've yeah. done a lot of work in Detroit and the general Michigan area. We've worked in Wisconsin. We're working right now near Tampa. Um, so we work around the country. We worked in Chicago, we work in Toronto, where we also have a base position there. Mm-hmm. So we really orient our work around uh, rebuilding cities that have challenges and finding ways to create solutions to the issues that stagnate, stagnate growth or proper urbanism, if you will, pedestrian-oriented places, that kind of thing. I also live in the city of Birmingham, which is a, a 200-year-old historic town just outside of Detroit. Oh. It's a streetcar suburb. Yeah. And I have served for 25 years in civic leadership in that position in the city of Birmingham, 
considered one of the most walkable cities in America, small really? towns in America. Um, Wall Street Journal labeled us that years ago. Andreas Duani, DPZ, and the gang did our master plan for the downtown Excellent. in the 90s. And I was appointed soon after that on the planning board and helped to implement that for many, many years. And then I became a city commissioner. I was elected to be city commissioner, which I served for three terms there. And then I was mayor of the city uh, oh, for wow. a couple of terms. So during that time, a lot of the work that I did was the, the urban design and planning aspects of the city. That's my expertise as I brought that to my work there and implementing the DPZ plan. And then we hired uh, DPZ a couple of years ago to do the overall master plan for the city. So yeah. there's, a, there's a tie into good planning and implementation. And my role there, not necessarily as an architect and urban designer in a profession, in a private sector, which is my archive DS world. Yeah. In there, my, uh, my position is as an elected, elected or appointed official, implementing these, these plans, finding ways to create better situations for the city. And through that, we've developed a rail district, a triangle district, a downtown district, neighborhoods that developed in a better way, and infrastructure, street design, all those things are things that I was involved with from a civic leadership standpoint. Totally yeah. different hat. So it gives me a very distinctive uh, appreciation and expertise on sort of both sides of the private and public sector conditions. So when it comes to planning issues and, and development issues, I'm thinking in terms of both sides yes. to get it done. Because yes. the goal in our work, of course, is always we'd like to see things done. <laughs> we'd like to see implementation. We'd like to see things actually go from a sketch to actually walking the streets and experiencing it firsthand. Yeah. And the best way to do that is to find a way to implement it. Yeah. And it's very challenging to do it without the recognition of private and public have to work together. And that's how you get to the point of, um, of fully implementing our visions, which oftentimes uh, are very, very challenging to do. You know? Well, and I think that's something that people in the planning world are always challenged with. How do you actually implement these plans mm -hmm. and allow it to not be a vision, a document that sits on a shelf Absolutely. that everybody ignores after they spent yeah. one, two, three hundred thousand dollars on yeah. a on a big project with events that engages the public. So that's fantastic. And you obviously have a very robust background. You're a manic generalist, right? <laughs> it's like that's what I call myself. But it's great to have that kind of perspective and bring that to public office, especially bringing people into leadership positions in cities that actually understand some of these urban planning, urban design issues and are able to translate it into actual policy mm -hmm. uh, laws as they're being changed. So that's that's fantastic. Tell me a little bit about the development work that you've been engaged yeah, so, with as well. So um, it's funny because going back to what you just said, it's this idea that, you know, all these different things that I've personally been involved with in my career you know, some people say, well, well, what do you mean you were a mayor and then you were, uh, you're a developer and yeah. then you, you're an architect and you, you know, and you're an urban planner. It's like a lot of people sort of question, what does that mean? And, and I think without thinking about it as being a jack of all trades, which some yeah. people would think of it, uh, we think of it a little differently. We think of it's all, it's, it's really all one thing. Yes. It's totally. city building. And yes. that's, that's the way we refer to it is we're, we're engaged in city building yes. and, and, and all the work that we do, whether we're writing 
or you know we do articles we 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 you know do all, all kinds of different sort of uh education you know i'm also an educator i've been uh, involved in in uh, teaching at the university level for 30 some years so at all these different levels it's all about city building yes. and that's the key component of all which i think is, is if you explain it that way it helps to, people to understand that you know the, all these things do unite and become one thing yeah and, and i think it, it, what's important that what we've learned in, in our experience is that those are the things that it actually takes to get things done mm-hmm. you can't just be an architect and create a great design and just sit in the corner and hope you have to figure a way somehow that has to go and get approved it has to go forward a developer has to take it on and financing has to happen zoning has to align you know there's all these things that are really not the architect's work yes that all have to happen but in my in my experience of you know 35 years of work is is actually having been in many of those places so i have a first hand experience and understanding of what those those sort of slots are and yeah. i may not be the the expert in every one of them but i have experience in and and so much of that so that's really the city building aspect yeah. and our development has been really connected to us seeing opportunities as we, you know, look at these challenged environments that we often work in and identify something that's been overlooked oftentimes by others, yeah. um, whether it be a strip mall type project or a vacant lot or a building that's been overlooked again and again wow. because, yeah. you know, nobody thinks it can be done. But we, of course, as, as architects and sort of visionaries, and, and that that's our training, we like to look at things and say, wow, that would be a really great something or that could be this and we've kind of learned how to squeeze a water from a rock and and oftentimes look at things that are overlooked by others yeah and identify um ways to get them turned into something that's contributing yeah uh and 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 in some cases we can't get a developer to do it so we've sort of initiated the work on our end uh, it's not a primary part of my work but i've done it um a number of times and we've worked where we've been the the initiator and the implementer of doing a project yeah. from that standpoint. So it's really like a lot of this stuff. It's just kind of it's not something that we went out of our way to say this is what what I want to be this 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 and this. It's the opportunities that come up, and then you sort of go down that path and say, okay, this is something that I think I can do, and it ends up being part of your you know sort of work work uh, experience. I, I think it's so interesting to think about this as just a practice of city building because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who are here this week resonate with that because we're not just architects or planners or designers or, or whatever our background is. Practicing something mm-hmm. is really a process of building an ecosystem around your, I guess, particular interests and mm-hmm. then building a practice around it. So it isn't like I wear this hat and I wear that hat and they're disconnected. It's your, it's very intentional hats mm-hmm. that are connected yeah. um, and you're coalescing around that. And, you know, you may bring a engineer or an expert, someone who is highly specialized mm-hmm. to be a part of that ecosystem. But I think the process of city building is perhaps being an expert and coalescing things, but also um, being, high level enough to understand how to connect things up and mm-hmm. and uh, how to translate a vision or ideas and what you can picture from a place into reality mm-hmm. and into actual action. So that's, that's fantastic. Where can people find you? 
Well, we are in, we're based in Detroit, although we have a Toronto office as well. And our firm is Archive DS, again, design studio, but we go by DS. So our website is archiveds.com. D is in dog, S is in Sam, or design studio. I'm connected on, on all that. And of course, my email is mark at archiveds.com if anyone wants to email me. And uh, we're in Detroit and some people have called us part of the savior, saviors of Detroit. <laughs> we like to think that we've had some contribution over the years. So we, uh, I was uh, part of the CNU, bringing the CNU there, and I was, yeah. I was one of the co-chairs of CNU when it was in Detroit. So very involved in Detroit. We're based there, and so we can easily be found, usually walking the streets or having coffee in downtown Detroit where our office is. But archiveds.com is our website, and I'd be happy to talk to anybody about uh, city building them. I'm passionate about it, as you can imagine. <laughs> Maybe <Yes>. too much. <laughs> Never too much, yeah. I promise. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much. It's great to meet you today. Thanks, Abby. All right, everyone. We are with Isaac Gonzalez. Isaac, welcome to Upzone. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. So tell me, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Sacramento, California. Sacramento, California. So you've traveled from quite far away, literally the other side of North America. <laughs> yes, and I'm still jet lagged from it, but having a great time here at the conference. Yes, I bet you are. What, you lost two, three hours? <laughs> three hours. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're here. Um, what brought you to the Strong Towns Conference, to the Strong Towns Conversation generally? Yeah, well, luckily, Strong Towns came to Sacramento a year ago, last June, and I had already been following the movement online for a while, and it really just resonated with me, because um, we have a lot of road issues in my city as well, a lot of uh, pedestrian and cyclist fatalities, unfortunately, because of some pretty overworked arterials, legacy arterials that have lots of uh, structural deficiencies, mostly in disadvantaged communities, communities of color. So, uh, yeah, when I came last year, I just had a great time at the talk that we, we were able to hold. And when I saw this conference come up, like, online, I was like, I have to go to that. Yeah, <laughs> I, totally. I immediately <laughs> said, like, I have to, I have to be there. I absolutely want to be there. So, immediately just bought my tickets, bought my airfare, and said, I can't wait. So, I've been looking forward to this in months. So, what has been your favorite session so far today? Well, obviously, it's got to be tactical urbanism. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the correct answer, right? Um, what is your second favorite? <laughs> it really was. Yours was, uh, was really great with tactical urbanism. And um, as I alluded to a bit when I asked the question in your session, I'm a little more of a gorilla tactical urbanist. I kind of yeah. like to do changes in the middle of the night to the built environment and yeah. see what happens. No shame um, in that. No, I mean, you know, try it out, see what sticks. I definitely am a cone redistributor. <laughs> I'll say, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> find cones that look to have no home and put them in places where they might be more useful. Yeah, um, so I, I respect really, that. <laughs> I really like that. But no, um, I also enjoyed immensely the social media discussion that uh, was held this morning. And also I attended a uh, discussion about about how to change the conversation in your own community, how to, how to get people, you know, on board with, with change, because change is scary for a lot of people, right? Yeah. Like, and we live in a very car-centric uh, nation, so when you tell people, hey, we want to slow down your cars a bit, I think most people's initial knee-jerk reaction is, you better not. Yeah. You, you teach them, like, oh, no, this is why it's going to benefit you and everyone else, and why we don't need to be gaslit into believing that this is the only way our community can exist, that there's other ways for it to exist, you know, so... So I, I love being here, and oh, it's so great to be around so many like-minded people, right? I know. It is really cool. So I, 
I've been to CNU in the past, but obviously not a national gathering for strong towns. And I love that these two events are kind of happening side by side because it is an opportunity to bring so many people who nerd out about the same things that I nerd out about in one conference, in one room. It's amazing. And then hopefully you'll be able to continue going to these and you'll meet people over many years and it'll be like going on a little vacation every year. I hope so. And what I heard is maybe next year's coming to the West Coast. So I'll be happy to host okay, you all yeah. you know, over my neck of the woods. Um, I, I will say too, lastly, one of the things I really like, uh, had a lot, a lot of fun doing yesterday, I was one of the presenters of the, 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 the Pikachukas, uh, the, the, yes. the presentations. And that was a lot of fun to go up there and, and talk about a, a cause that was really important to me, which was the fact that we were able, me and a group of uh, other community advocates were able to get a $6 million road diet approved. Unfortunately, only after the passing of uh, one of our community members, oh. but pretty quickly afterwards, you know, yeah. well, usually that thing takes like years and years and years to get $6 million. We were able to get in about eight months. And so that's something that's going to implement it. So telling, telling that story and having it well received and so many people coming up to me today saying they really liked the, the story that yeah. I gave and, the, you know, that, that, that resonated with them was a lot of fun, too. So I, I know people are going into the keynote with Majora Carter now, and so I, I want to be respectful mm-hmm. of your time, but where can people find you? Yeah, um, look for me on LinkedIn. Um, Isaac Gonzalez Jr., I think is my name on there, and uh, I'm in Sacramento, California, or on Facebook. I go to uh, facebook.com slash Isaac Gonzalez Jr., J-R, one word. Uh, you can friend request me or send me a message. I, I have a, a page. I'm an active transportation mission in Sacramento, so... Uh, you can find that page as well and connect with me. I love making new connections and talking to people all over the country, all over the world for that matter, who yeah. care about this issue and uh, love making new connections. So thank you for that shout out. Yeah. yeah I think I'll go enjoy the, the keynote uh, speech now, but thank you so much, Abby. I really appreciate your discussion and I, I subscribed to your podcast today, so I'm looking, I'll go back and listen to all of them, I'm sure. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> and, and this one hopefully will be out in the next week or so, so you can go listen listen to this interview it'll be a lot of fun yeah thank you everybody out there (laughs) yeah nice to meet you thank you i am joined by andrew at the strong towns national gathering welcome andrew thank you so tell me where are you from i am currently living in west palm beach florida and as uh daniel said earlier about florida no one's actually from florida um, <laughs> right. So I'm from Michigan, Indiana, Midwest. Um, lived in Florida for six years. What brought you to this place? My wife. Okay. Yes. Long distance dating turned into getting married. And so, moving to Florida. Moving to Florida. How do you like it? I really love West Palm Beach. Okay. Yes. I don't know that I can say the same about the rest of Florida, but <laughs> West Palm Beach is a, a fantastic city and place within so, South Florida. Do you have a strong towns conversation there? Is that something that you've been engaged with? I have spoken to a lot of people who have been engaged with strong towns in my community. I don't know if there's an official one in West Palm Beach. I met someone from Broward County that said they have one going down there. Okay. Just south of me. Okay. But uh, so what brought you to the Strong Towns conversation? I would give credit to my professor, Eric Dumbaugh, at Florida Atlantic University. It's my first semester in planning school there for my master's degree. We were talking about planning theory. He was talking about incrementalism and mentioned strong towns just kind of offhand. And I I went back and looked it up and just really 
the things that they were talking about and digging into um, jiving really well with what I was thinking and questions I was asking. Do you work as a planner now? I work as a real estate developer. Oh, wow. Yeah. In Florida? In Florida. What kinds of projects? Um, I started off with infill development with a little firm called New Urban Communities. Okay. And uh, I now work for the Pulte Family Charitable Foundation. It's a charitable foundation, gives to over 200 organizations around the world. But this past year, we started kind of our own in-house housing initiatives. So two pilot projects, I'm managing those, getting them through the entitlement process. Tell me about those. So one is in the town of Immokalee in Collier County. Immokalee is a very low-income agricultural community. And so we're building, I'd say more traditional, but not very traditional affordable housing community there. We're we're doing a build-to-rent single-family and townhome community. And the intent is for the property manager to be like a nonprofit service provider, social working component within the community. So oh, interesting. connecting residents and tenants to whatever services are needed. So to be a very hands-on and active property manager. Then the other project is in Palm Beach County. It is, I would call it kind of a co-living community for adults with developmental, intellectual and developmental disabilities. Oh, wow. So not-for-profit yeah. development. Yeah. Philanthropic housing development. So how does the Strong Towns conversation intersect with that work? I think more for our project in Immokalee, there's been a lot more of, of that influence and the, the new urbanist influence. Um, as project manager, I get to kind of drive the design. And yeah. so I've, I've pursued a much more traditional block pattern of, of neighborhood development, heavily influenced from being able to live in historic parts of West Palm Beach and yeah. learning and how those live and the streets and the setbacks. And yeah. Yeah. So that's driven a lot of, a lot of my vision for the community and, and we're, we've been surveying a lot of the potential new residents to find out their needs, what the rent levels are looking like and what the needs of living in the unit would look like in the community. Yeah. Is there anything this week that you are kind of focused on learning more about are you focused on housing or are you have you been interested in sessions that might relate less to housing or what's kind of your focus yeah i think from my professional approach to being here it's more for housing and affordable housing um on a personal level i'm exploring maybe some different things our projects are kind of unique in that they're philanthropic and they're not traditional financing and all that. That's just the affordable housing finance and construction is something that I'm looking to just dig into more and, and perhaps in the future we'll pivot to doing something that's more of a, of a traditional financial structure for a yeah. development project. So I was at the incremental development session this morning and uh, haven't gotten a chance to talk to Monty and Bernice and that group, but really hope to, by the end of this week, have some conversations with them. And I, I'd be happy to introduce you. Okay. They're, they're, they're probably around here somewhere, but yeah. they'd be a great group to talk with, given your interest and in the work that you're doing. Yeah, and I'm... I'm interested to see what role philanthropy can play into the housing issues that we have today. Yeah. You know, there's only so much sustainability from 
just outright building projects on our own, we can leverage the resources that we have to to help scale up from there. And so yeah. that's that's one of the big questions I'm asking is is how can philanthropy work in the the housing crisis that we're in now? And that's we'll excellent. See. Thank yeah. you for doing that. Yeah. I will let you go, but where can people find you if they're interested in learning more about your work? I'm on LinkedIn at Andrew Van Valen, V-A-N-V-A-L-I-N. You can look up the Pulte Family Charitable Foundation website for uh, information on the projects. It's PulteFamilyFoundation.org. I would love to answer more questions about it. We would love for anyone interested in, in partnering with us to reach out and let us know how we can work together. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me on Upzone today. Yeah, Have a good thank day. Thank you.